everybody. Welcome back to the Pause Podcast. I'm Lindsay. I'm here with Mari. And we are on day 26 of our 30-day look in season three at the Book of Mark. And just a reminder, um, here at the Pause, we want you to pause and to pay attention to your soul um, because that is... Very important. Almost said V important, <laughs> but it is V important. <laughs> it is V important. V important. Okay, so we are in Mark 15. Um, and again, just a reminder, um, as we're kind of zooming in just on a couple verses, um, there's so, so, so much goodness in really the last couple of chapters of the book of Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot about what happens to Jesus and his death and resurrection. Yeah, and, it moves um, pretty fast. Yes, there's so much that obviously we can't cover, but be sure that you're going and reading those. And um, we just kind of take bits and pieces and, and process those. So. Um, Okay, so today we are taking a look at verses 11 through 20, although I have here 6 through 15. (laughs) So (laughs) um, do you mind reading uh, Mark 15, 6 through 15? That's what we're going to focus on today. Sure. Now at the feast, he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them saying, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered them up, delivered him up. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate asked again and said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Okay. So I feel like I've always had this sympathetic view of Pilate. (laughs) I'm not sure why. Um, So Pilate is um, the Roman governor at this time, and he's temporarily in Jerusalem to kind of keep the peace during Passover because we're in Passover week. And I don't know if this is like my like little empathetic eye or mind, but like he's always painted as this like weak, tormented leader who's like swept away by the influence of the crowd. Like poor Pilate, he just like Mm. wants to be liked. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which, LOL. He just wants friends. <laughs> he just wants friends. Um, but actually, Pilate's like a lot more complicated than maybe meets the eye. Um, but a part of my sympathy was actually valid. I've been doing a little bit of reading. Um, at the time Mark wrote his account, um, he faced a, like a tension in encouraging Christians in this narrative, but also like not wanting to offend or making any treasonous claims against Rome. <laughs> so I think the question is like, how do I tell this story in a way that reports what happened, like uh, Jesus was crucified, <laughs> without offending like the Roman government? Oh, and interesting. That, yeah, and like not that Mark didn't tell the truth, but I think he was like really sensitive to the culture in which he wrote. And so okay. we can trust the reliability, but there's just kind of like a, all right, let's downplay the Roman authority a little bit okay. um, so we don't offend um, and let's kind of, Um, elevate like the role of the Jewish authorities, if that makes sense. So Pilate is not as like small or unimportant in this account as we may realize. I don't know. Was that just me that had that view of Pilate of like this, like, oh, like he doesn't know what to do or like he wants people to like him. I have this vague memory and 
I used to listen to Adventures in Odyssey a lot as a kid. Obviously. Oh, okay. You did. T- you know what I'm talking about. I was more McGee and me. Oh. Do you remember them? You remember I, him? We watched, oh, we had one of those at our church, but no, like we listened to the cassette tapes of Adventures in uh-huh. Odyssey on like road trips and stuff. I did like once. We were GT. Oh, sorry. GT. Remember What's God's GT? team? God's team. No, I don't know what that is. <laughs> oh, okay. GT. <laughs> it's like a bunch of angels. Oh, <laughs> Anyway. <cool. No. laughs> Keep going. Anyways, there was this Adventures in Odyssey episode where like one of them, I forget who, like gets sent back to the crucifixion to the crucifixion and is trying to stop it. Okay. And (laughs) somehow they like are able, I kind of forget. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is from adventures in Odyssey, or if this is accurate, that pilot's wife has this dream. Is this from one of the gospels or is this? Oh yeah. No, this is the wife has a dream. So this is from like Mark or Luke or whatever, or from Matthew, John or Luke. The pilot's wife has a dream telling her, like an ominous dream warning her against uh, action against Jesus, right? Jesus, like, so right. she goes to him and is like, you should release Jesus, right? It's something like that. Yeah. That's like, that's vague since, in my mind from my yeah. Odyssey days. Um, so that always made me feel bad. Yeah. Like sympathetic towards Pilate that like, he's got his wife in one ear being like, I had a really ominous, like significant dream. You should not do this. And then on the Mm -hmm. other hand, he's a politician and like his job is to give his constituents what What they they want. And they're like, we don't want this dude. We want Barabbas. Yeah. Um, So not that I feel bad for him, but I'm like, "Eh, he was kind of just doing his job. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, But I read like um, some of the historians at the time, Josephus and Philo, um, describe him as like cruel, stubborn, inflexible, all about political gain. Interesting. And so Jesus wasn't a threat to him. To but Pilate he, directly. Yes. But when he heard the crowds protesting against Jesus, when they suggest when he suggested a release, he paid attention and did what they asked. Okay. Um, and so like it said he like respected the Jewish like protests. You know, he's like, all right, okay. what are you guys yeah. talking about? So it's interesting here, and I'll go a little bit more into that, is like Pilate's role in this whole thing. So the Sanhedrin, which we know is the council or the religious leaders, they didn't have a right to execute a person <laughs> convicted of a capital crime, which makes sense. The church uh, can't yeah, just like that's kill not someone. in their job description. Right. Yeah. And then on the other side, like Pilate could really care less if this was like a religious squabble. Like if someone was blaspheming against God, he's like, cool, like not my fight. You guys like deal with that yourselves. And so they have to like make it a challenge or a concern to the Roman government, if that makes sense. So the religious leaders use the term, he's king of the Jews, which was a challenge to the government. So oh, if that makes sense. Yeah, because Pilate's like, okay, cool. He thinks he's God. Like, deal with that yourselves. Like, this isn't the government's issue. But they're like, no, we can't kill him, which is what we want to do. (laughs) You know, like, I want to make this your issue. So Pilate's like, all right, I'll give the crowd a choice. I need to clear my hands of this whole messy Jesus thing because it's like, it, there's obviously a lot of like theological tension that Pilate doesn't understand. Yeah. And like significance that Pilate's just like unaware of um, with the Messiah, all that stuff. So uh, Pilate's like, I'll suggest a prisoner release and I'll give them a choice, Jesus or this guy Barabbas. Um, so he assumes or like maybe just hopes that they don't want a murderer in their midst and they'll like just release um, Jesus. 
which I thought was interesting. Like <laughs> Barabbas is a part of the insurrection, which it mentioned. So he's like a notorious criminal who like yeah. stole, he killed. <laughs> and it said he victimized wealthy upper class people of Israel and Rome. So the common people liked him. <laughs> <laughs> he's like so, a Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah, he's like a Robin Hood. Or he's like, this is random, but I read this book about Colombia, South America. And um, who is that? Like now his name is slipping my mind. The drug lord that was like... Escobar. Uh, oh, yes. Pablo Escobar. Mm-hmm. So obviously he's like a really terrible drug overlord yeah. and um, killed a lot of people, but he did a lot of good. And yeah, he's like extremely philanthropic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so I imagine that tension where they're like, wait, <laughs> he like really cared for the common people, <laughs> but yeah. he was like a really dangerous terrorist. What's <laughs> <laughs> worse. Yeah. What's that say about the government? About, know, right? You know what I mean? It, the gap he's filling that they won't. I anyway. Know, seriously. That's a totally different <laughs> That's story. That's a totally different yeah. topic. I thought that was such fascinating. fascinating. Anyway. That is really so, interesting. Pilate possessed the authority to commute or pardon the sentence of any criminal he chose, which that's crazy. So as we know, the crowd yells, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And then Pilate's even like, like, why? <laughs> like, yeah. what evil has he done? And like, what, this guy doesn't, hasn't done anything wrong. And they yell, like, crucify him, crucify him. And when like the, the corrupt politician in charge has more of a conscience than yes. the religious authorities. Gosh, I know. What a time yes. to be living. And so Pilate does that. He releases Barabbas and he delivers Jesus to be crucified. And so I know we've talked a ton about the religious leaders and how lame they were, for yeah. lack of a better word. And Jesus like warned so much against them. But I really want to focus, so I won't want to beat a dead horse, but I really want to focus on verses 10 and 11. Um, it says, for he, which is Pilate, perceived that it was out of envy that the chief mm-hmm. priest had delivered him up. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. Mm-hmm. So Pilate realizes that these guys are like motivated by envy and their accusations against Jesus are ill-founded. It's like, there's not a real crime here. They're threatened by Jesus. Um, and obviously, again, there are a lot of theological issues at stake that Pilate doesn't understand. Yeah. But I was really struck by this word, envy um, and by the fact that it's the only occurrence of envy in the gospels. Um, I mean, it's used in like the Matthew account of this same story, but this is like the only story in the gospels where this word envy is used. Okay. And the Greek word phthios, phthonos, P-H-T-H-O-N-O-S, it defines envy as grief or anger caused by another's success. Mm, okay. I don't know if I would have defined envy that way. Um, would you? No, I wouldn't. So mm-hmm. being an Enneagram 4, yes. the word envy gets talked a lot. Yes. Talked oh, about good. A lot yeah, I'm glad we're talking about this. With Enneagram 4. So I yeah. studied that word a lot, and it's not how I would describe it either. How would you describe it? Um, well, it threw me off when, um, like when I was first getting into the Enneagram, like people say that fours are like motivated by envy. It's like their, Mm -hmm. their Mm -hmm. core thing. And I was like, I don't feel like I, I think, I think that was my original understanding of envy was like, I don't feel angry or sad when other people have success. I'm like Mm -hmm. cheering them on. I love that. Great for them. Or actually I would say it's that I don't feel angry. 
Okay. But the grief, that's what started to make sense to me was like, someone okay. explained it to me as okay. like, like I was saying like, I don't feel like irritated when someone else yes. is successful, but I do feel like I should take notes. Like I do feel like I'm always watching other people and being like, oh, okay. they seem to have okay. ease. Um, and someone described it as like noticing ease and some or wanting the ease that someone else has in life. Like I don't feel like okay. I want other people's cars or houses yes. or yes. lives, but they described it as like, but do you, do you wish you had the ease, which with mm-hmm. you perceive them to have? Mm-hmm. And that that's envy for me. And it's not that I'm like, oh, I'm mad that mm-hmm. they have an easier right. time in social situations than I do. It's just that like, I like maybe it's, yeah, more grief or mm-hmm. more just like I need and the reason that it is sinful is that it then it forces me to assume that there's something wrong with myself. Like, okay, oh. I need to take notes yes. to be more like that person. And that's where sin comes in as like an right. envious thing. It's not that I wish anything, any malice upon other people. It's more that then it makes me turn on myself and it forget be- that I'm valuable exactly as I am. So it becomes an insecurity. Maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Um, so I don't know how to tie that back into no, no, no. the priests because it does seem like they were more <laughs> they angry. were more angry than they were yeah. like, we want to be like him. They're like, let's kill right. him. <laughs> Which is like maybe what I assumed about envy is like, I want to be like this person. Mm-hmm. But really it's like, it's it's different. And it's like, so. But it saying, did cause insecurity. That's what did. we've been talking about the whole season. Is exactly. Like Jesus um, like messed with the yes. foundations of their identity. Yes, exactly. And I'm like, Pilate, you were super perceptive. Because <laughs> yeah, like, seriously. And the, it said, out of this envy, like, and out of this like inward envy, their behavior, like, caused they stirred up the crowd out of this. Yes. And so I like I just that like is what's really sitting in my mind. This like picture, yeah. like their inward envy cause like an insecurity and they stirred up the crowd. Does that make sense? And so I see them like walking around, like whispering in people's ears, like say this, like yell this, <laughs> hey, yell, crucify him. <laughs> and I like yeah. see them like inciting the people, <laughs> crucify him. Sorry, it reminded me of on New Girl when oh, yeah. they're gathering for the crowd and Damien's in the crowd and he's like, she doesn't even go here. No, like it's Mean he, Girls. What did I say? You said New Girl. Oh, sorry. I meant Mean Girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She doesn't even go here. She doesn't even go here, and I he just kind of pretends to be. They're like, do you? <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, a they're great just ex- like the Pharisees are like in the crowd with sunglasses on, just being like, crucify him, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crucify him. Did you, oh, did you say crucify him? Yeah, I was thinking that too. <laughs> oh, the religious leaders are our Damians. <laughs> so, but yeah, I like. So I see them inciting the people to go along with their plan. And the yeah. crowd is like so under the influence of the chief priests that they yell Seriously. to crucify Jesus, which is like, hello, this is like herd mentality and group think at its finest. Yeah. yeah. Seriously. Like what a mob. They're yeah. Like, and I oh, think, yeah, totally. Let's murder him. Maybe like a shift in oh question gosh. for a minute. But like, I think like, do you think these were the same people who had witnessed Jesus's miracles? Like, are these the same people who heard his teachings, who saw his healings? Mm. And yet they're angrily yelling for Jesus to be crucified. Is it that like, because you said the crowd is a, an actual mm-hmm. character in Mark mm-hmm. and that they were not necessarily like devotees. Right. That sometimes they were just there for the spectacle. Sometimes yes. they were there yes. to oppose him. 
And I guess if they were there for the spectacle, like what's a better spectacle than a public crucifixion? And if you're so like, yes, so that's so true. But if you're so hard-hearted and closed off, like if I witnessed one of those miracles, I'd be like, all right, I'm into this guy, you know? And But they're like, no, let's crucify him. But you at the same time, because it says that later on, some someone says like, well, if he's if he is the son of God, he'll get himself off the cross. So you might mm-hmm. be like, crucify him. Let's see what happens. Well, let's like, see what he does. Yeah, no, that's good. Let's test his, like, we saw one miracle. What's, yeah. what's another? Yeah, that's good. Um, so I want to shift back to envy. I know I just said those like questions about yeah. the crowd, but mm-hmm. shifting back to envy and just how dangerous it is when it's not examined. Um, mm. And I love like, so it's more than just, you said it perfectly. So I really appreciate that. It's more than just wanting what someone else has. Um, it's more than like feeling discontent that someone has like a nicer car or like a bigger following or a more behaved kid. <laughs> it's like grief and anger caused by someone else's success or exactly how like you described it. And it like got me thinking, are you a Hamilton person? I feel like I'm not allowed to say no, but no. Be- oh my gosh, be free. Not in, not in like a, I've tried it and no thank you. It's just like, I haven't seen it yet. Okay. And I'm sure that when I see it, I will become a Hamilton yes. person because I love musicals and everything yeah. Lin-Manuel Miranda does uh, is, gold. is gold. The Moana soundtrack. Yes, Obviously. Please. So um, I'm just not a Hamilton person yet, I would okay. say. Okay. Well, I would say like my sister and pretty much my whole family, except my dad and I are like really into it. My my brother and my mom was like saw it in the second row on Broadway. Oh, um, my sister's cute. seen it several times. They love it. But recently, when it came out on Disney Plus, I was like, "I'll watch it." And like, it is so, so, so good. But anyway, the oh, premise. Oh, now you're converted. Okay. Oh yeah, I'm like, it's so good. Um, but the premise is the story of Alexander Hamilton, and it's told from the um, perspective of Aaron Burr, who, which we know, history people out there. I don't is, know this. Oh, he's the one that um, he kills Alexander Hamilton in a duel. Literally didn't know that Hamilton died in a duel. Oh. Don't spoil- really know who alert. Hamilton is, TBH. Oh, okay. <laughs> he was one of the founding fathers. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> so, but Aaron Burr was like one of the vice presidents. And literally all I remember about Aaron Burr, all you learn about Aaron Burr is that he killed Hamilton in a Wait, duel. Wait, he was a VP before or after? Before. Kill. Okay. So, but anyway, this whole scene, the whole play is like this rivalry. They've kind of got this rivalry against each other. It's kind of back and forth um, where they're kind of frenemies a little bit. And, okay. But there are more tense moments than some. They disagree with each other a lot. Um, they don't work together. They, like, Hamilton decides to cast a vote at one point and doesn't choose Burt. Like, there's just, like, a lot of, like, there's a rivalry. Okay. I hope I'm not spoiling this for anybody else, but I just assumed people knew that Aaron Burr killed Hamilton. So super uh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know like really anything about history. Okay. Well, the end, Me. there's this really powerful scene. I won't spoil it, but like there's this moment where Burr sings out who's um, Leslie Odom Jr., who's incredible. Oh, I do love him. And he has this like, it's like, this line or this song and it's like the world was wide enough for both of us and it's like I wish we had understood that we could have both we could have worked together we could have existed together Um, it didn't have to end this way basically and not to like this maybe not a direct connection but I just kept thinking like 
they could have, like, the world was wide enough for the religious leaders in Jesus, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. they could have, like, learned from him and changed and, like, like been in partnership with Jesus. You know what I mean? And so like I the like the world yeah, was wide like, enough. They could have had they could have experienced the same transformation yes. that Peter did that we yes. just talked about that like they could have burned down their previous identities that weren't serving them anymore. Like once they saw them in the yes. light of of Jesus, it's like, okay, well, I'm not valuable because I keep all the rules. Okay, that's a little bit heartbreaking. But yes. There is value in what this this new rabbi is telling us, and they could embrace yes. that. And yeah, they could have been like really powerful cornerstones I know. for the new church. I know. So it's like, tragic. It is tragic. So um, I was thinking a lot about that and like what a miss that was in general, you know. And seriously. Um, and then obviously, I was thinking about Taylor Swift. Um, obviously, there's this like really powerful Taylor Swift. I think she is like the original person that said it, is that we are at our best when we cheer each other on and build each other up. Mm-hmm. Um, like we are at our best. And I'm like, oh, maybe there's something biblical here to what Taylor's saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I know like, obviously there's a lot of theological nuance to the story and to like the, what the chief priests are doing. But I like couldn't help following the significance of like the presence of evil or evil, mm. <laughs> envy, and like the perception of envy that... Pilate noticed and like the stirring up that outward behavior of the envy inside. And it reminds me so much of like who we're listening to. Um, and if we haven't examined the self-examine, if we haven't, um, you know, examined what's going on inside, um, then we can't really avoid envy, you know? Mm, um, and maybe yeah. you can speak more about that as like a four, but, um, yeah. and obviously like it's the Holy Spirit, <laughs> like the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. It's like, who are we listening to? Um, so those are just like, I feel like that was just like a general or just like some, some thoughts about envy. Yeah. I don't think I ever thought about it that way. Yeah. I hadn't really either. (laughs) Or like, I knew that like the, the one thing that has struck me so much in reading Mark through for this season, yeah, was like how much identity is, is wrapped up in this story and how much like the chief priests were just like, yeah their issue wasn't just that they were like turds or that they were mean. It's yeah. like their identities were at yes. stake. Yes. But it never occurred to me that that even to this point that like, yeah, that like my understanding of envy and my, my experience of it isn't like, yeah, being mad that someone else is successful or even necessarily wanting their success. But when envy becomes sinful for me, it's when it, it turns me against myself and makes me assume that I am mm-hmm. wanting that yes. I, that I'm um, incomplete. Yes, and that I need to strive in some way or another to be what that person is. Yeah, and like yeah, that that sounds pretty like mild or like innocuous, I guess. But like that's that's the root of all sin, right? Is Mm -hmm, assuming mm -hmm. that we need to do something to get that completion that we see in another person. Mm. Yeah. We need to do something to belong, that we need to do something to feel love, that we need to do something to feel that, that we're good. Yeah. And And when we see that completion in someone else, when we see that they belong and that they're loved and that they're pleasing, we're like, I, I need to change to to get that. And it's like, no, you need to be
be, be changed a, and it's really yeah. subtle mm-hmm. to have that. Yeah. And, and it's he, really sad that they they saw that that completeness in Jesus and it's yep. like you were so close. Yeah, that's what's like, yes. Yes, you were so close. And I, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I don't like while I was like kind of writing and thinking through this, I was like, I don't really experience envy. <laughs> It's not like a core emotion of mine. And I wouldn't say that I experience like jealousy or envy. But the more like you're talking about, it, I'm like, yeah, I think like the doing um, out of like what I see around me um, yeah. is like that definitely is pervasive. It's more subtle maybe for me. Um, but the way you're describing it, I'm like, definitely. And sometimes I have a hard time with other people's success Successes or what's going on in other people's life because I feel like I'm being left out uh, or mm-hmm. abandoned. Um, so there's like an identity thing too, right there. You yeah. know, it's like the abandonment, yeah. which is like God's like that is not how I work. You know, and yeah. there is like room for everyone here. You know, and mm-hmm. everybody has a story, but um, we all have the same identity. So mm-hmm. that's good. Do you think there's a difference between envy and jealousy? Yes, and now I'm like forgetting everything I've ever read. But in in a lot of like the Enneagram books, when they talk about Enneagram fours, they always talk about the difference between jealousy, yes, and envy. Is it is jealousy like more envy envious? You can't use that in the definition. Isn't jealousy like where you want people's? It's more about possessions and things, and is envy more about like um, intangible? That I think it is. I think that's Maybe. the way I've heard it described. Yeah. That like, yeah, you want what they, what they own, and then envy is you want to be how they are. Yes, if yes. that makes sense. No, that makes sense. Okay, that's what I thought too. Um, so it's maybe a deeper layer or just something else entirely. Um, I can't say for sure. But yeah, I think that that's what to say. They would say. <laughs> um, okay, and then the second question is. Um, I don't know if this question makes sense, but like, what are you stirring people to or for? Like, mm. if you think about like the role of the chief priest in the crowd at that moment, and they're like, you know, they're stirring people up, they're walking through, they're inciting this kind of like mob mentality of like crucify Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what, what, what do I want to stir people up to? Like, what do I want to be like whispering and like exciting a crowd to, if that makes sense? Mm. Um, yeah. Like, what would you say to that? Like, what do I think I am doing? Or yeah. What, oh, what good I question. Hope I'm doing or like hope to do. Oh, good question. Uh, both. Um, I hope that I'm stirring people to believe yeah. who Jesus says they are. Yep. That's good. It comes to that. To that. that like, you're so loved. Mm-hmm. You already belong. You already are pleasing. Like that you don't need to keep striving. You don't need to keep beating yourself up. Mm -hmm. That like you're so close. Like the Pharisees, like you're so close. You're Mm -hmm. already like you see, like you see the disconnect and like you're so close. Yes. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I see myself like along the same lines, but I want to be stirring people up to freedom. You know, and like mm. I see myself in this exact crowd, and I hope that I'd be walking to people and being like, "You're you're free, like yeah. you're free. Jesus is for you. Like Jesus, we're on the same team. You know, it's like we are all on the mm. same team. 
Yeah. Um, and I, I think I want in that crowd, but now today I want to stir people up to freedom. Um, mm, like you're, f- you're free. And like yeah. Galatians 5.1, we're set free to be free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. Well, let's move to our mindfulness. Um, so today we're going to focus on speaking um, envy um, or s- speak things that may be motivating us to not celebrate the good of others, whether that's a distorted identity um, or something that's blocking us from not only celebrating, but maybe to um, stirring up destruction or division um, in others. So, so let's confess and release today. So take a minute and get into a comfortable position. Steady your breathing. If you're able, um, close your eyes. So when you think of envy, what comes to mind? When you think of the successes of other people, what comes to mind? When you think of where you thought you would be by now, what comes to mind? When you think about your identity, what comes to mind? Hold it there for a few minutes. Hold your palms out flat if you want to. And as you hold it, let's remember. Remember that you are loved, you are worthy, you are pleasing to God. Remember that whatever or whomever the root of your envy may be or your grief or your anger there is room for both of you to do good for the kingdom. Remember there is room. Remember that envy distorts, but Jesus gives new eyes to see. So hold it there for a few minutes. Now let's invite mercy in. Let's invite grace. Let's invite fullness. 
Lord, have mercy on us, for we are in the crowd yelling. Lord, show us grace. Lord, remind us of who we are. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you're looking for show notes to follow up on any references we may have shared, you can find those in the episode description or by going to our website at www.thepausepodcast.com, where you can also find links to our social media, along with a handy guide to subscribing or leaving a review. Thanks for listening.